point. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios, this is 1460 KXNO. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back into the 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon, another hour to go. Glad you're spending some of your uh, morning here with us. If you miss any portion of the program, you can always go back uh, to the podcast page at KXNO.com. Coming up this hour, momentarily, we'll hear from Bama Bob. Well, you heard the music. You know who's coming up. And then, of course, Scott Dockerman, bottom of the hour. He will recap the Wisconsin loss for the Hawks and take a sneak peek ahead to unbeaten Big Ten West leading Minnesota Gophers will be in Kinnick Stadium. Uh, coming up uh, this Saturday afternoon, a 3 o'clock big, a kick. Bama, Trenton, Ken, how was your weekend, Bama, Bob? Oh, it was terrible. How about you guys? <laughs> well, I look, I enjoyed the heck out of it. I did. Uh, there's precious few yeah. of them left. I get why, uh, you know, you're a little down in the dumps here today. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess we should start with that football game and just Joe Burrow and his ascension to maybe the number one overall pick in the upcoming uh, NFL draft. It seems like there's a lot of people that are leaning that way. Uh, bombing for Burrow was taking the place of tanking for Tua. I think they're still going to be pretty good, both going to be pretty good quarterbacks. But just your overall thoughts on the football game, Bama. And, you know, did that late touchdown for Alabama do anything, do you think, that will, you know, look a little bit more favorably in the committee's eyes? I don't know if the, probably, you know, the answer is it shouldn't have, but it probably would. It probably did because, listen, I would hope that the committee basically watched the, you know, the Minnesota, Penn State, and the Alabama LSU game in total, and then they'll go back and they'll watch you know different games like they have to, and you know across the country to you know to do, to do what they do to come up with the rankings. But so they'll understand that the game wasn't maybe as close as it seemed. But that said, you know margin of victory and that sort of thing it it helps. Had they finished off that you know thirty three thirteen or. 40 to 20 or whatever, then I think Alabama have a, a much tougher road back. But I, I think the other thing that, that you factor into that game is, you know, Tua Tagovailoa clearly was not 100%. Right. I think it took him a while to get comfortable into that game. I mean, he drops a fumble. I mean, he's just running and drops drops the ball in the opening series. Uh, a couple of a couple of plays that you think he would have made with his feet that mm-hmm. he just he couldn't you know he couldn't get out of uh, of tackles uh, he like I said when Alabama started running the ball I think that gave him a lot of comfort. Um, that said, I mean, listen, do we, would I want to see this game again? Absolutely, especially with a you know with two or close to a hundred percent. I don't know if we're going to get to get that or not. Um, the running back to me, the key to the game was the running back for LSU. I can't, you know, he sounds, his name sounds like a pastry. I think Eclair, whatever it's hyphenated and <laughs> yeah, all that. The yeah. guy's about five foot eight. He's Darren Sproles is who he is, Bama. He is. I mean, he's just a, uh, he's a bigger Darren Sproles. I mean, cause he goes about 210. I mean, he is, he is thick. You can't find him. Um, Trayvon Diggs cost himself several million dollars in that game because. You know, he couldn't tackle him to, to save his wife. But Clyde, I'm going to try that. his name. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I want to say. Hilaire. Hilaire, yeah. I think that's correct. Yeah. Um, yes, you're exactly right. But, I mean, 
listen, he and Najee Harris kind of had a mano a mano going there for a while, and it was fun to watch. That, and and that's what I liked about that game. You look at the final score. There was defense play. There were plays to be made. Alabama was so uncharacteristically sloppy to start that game. I mean, you know, the the guy, the punter just drops the ball. Perfect yeah. snap drops right. it. Tua drops the ball when he's running, um, you know, a pick. Uh, they run a 12th man onto the field that cost them an interception. Mm-hmm. Just, just sloppy, sloppy stuff that you're not used to seeing from Nick Saban, especially out of a pie. So, all that said, you give LSU all the credit, and you're right about Joe Burrow. I mean, the rise of this guy is unbelievable where he's come from. Nobody took him seriously. Uh, you know, I don't know what the odds you could have got on him for the Heisman. Probably you could have named him at the beginning of the year, and now he is clearly the odds-on favorite uh, to win it. He's probably going to have he's going to have big games because they're maybe they have Ole Miss this week. They still have Arkansas, who just fired their coach on the schedule. Uh, that you know he's going to have a big big stage against probably Georgia in the SEC championship game. So uh, I think it's his to lose. Um, but yeah, I mean I wouldn't mind seeing this game again. I don't know that we'll get to it. Some things are going to have to happen. But it, all that said, it was it was a fun, entertaining game. It lived up to it, which is kind of all you can ask for. Joe Burrow, two hundred and fifty to one was before he the really? season. <laughs> our uh, buddy Mark yeah. Charter, who sponsors our picks on Friday. He has a friend that bet five hundred dollars on him wow. before the season. He's in line to make seventy five grand. At a real place? At a real place. Good for him. Two fifty to one, Joe Burrow. Good for him. It's absolutely incredible. Late in the half, too, Bama. I mean, just what, two touchdowns in twenty seconds out mm. of LSU. There was a lot of things that went there, but now Bama, you and every other Alabama fan out there, you're big LSU fans because obviously they have the game at hand. Yep. They you don't want to see them with the one loss, especially a loss in the SEC championship game to a Georgia, that certainly would bump Alabama out. Absolutely. And listen, I think Oklahoma right now is helping Alabama a little bit. Um, listen, all credit to the Cyclones. I watched that a lot of that game uh, Saturday night and the comeback. Again, really? Jalen Hurts making just dumb decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fight that Iowa State showed and you know, look, it's this the old debate. Do you go for two? Yeah, no, they should have. The road. Right move, I think. I mean, I would have I just kept going. I mean, I just think you had Oklahoma on the ropes here. I just, I've always been a fan of just keep playing the game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand why Matt Campbell did it. It was a great throw, probably pass interference. You're not going to get mm-hmm. that call. Yep. All that said, I think Oklahoma's lost to Kansas State. And, you know, now, you know, a, a, a one-point win over – what is a four-loss Iowa State team now? Um, you know, listen, it's, it's ironic because now you've got Texas is going to root, be rooting for Oklahoma this week against Baylor because they need they need uh, Baylor to lose and then Texas beat Baylor to get you know to get themselves a rematch with Oklahoma. So the Big Twelve's kind of all over the place. But you're right, Alabama needs Georgia. Uh, they need LSU to be undefeated and beat Georgia in the SEC title game because now they're sitting there as maybe the best one-loss team out there. That would certainly eliminate Georgia. Um, the Pac-12 is still up in the air. Uh, those two, you know, Oregon, Utah, I mean, they're they're in the mix. I mean, they're definitely in the mix. I think Alabama will be ahead of them when the rankings come out, and I know that's going to make a lot of people upset if that happens, but I, I, I do think they'll be fifth, maybe sixth. Uh, when the rankings come out again, but you know that's really not going to mean anything because you're going to have a lot of t- movement in there. But um, there's a path for Alabama, but 
you know, it's, they certainly made it tougher on themselves, as would have LSU, you know, had LSU lost that game. I mean, that was just, this was almost a, a quarterfinal, if you want to look at it that way. You're talking about eight teams in a playoff. You almost had six, and, you know, one of them dropped out, and one of them moves on. Uh, let's go around the, uh, the Power Five conferences, boys. Let's start with the uh, ACC. Uh, Wake Forest, that was a head-scratcher to me that they, uh, you know, that they're having such a really, a really a nice season and to get tripped up the way that they did. Nice win for Miami. Trent, your thoughts on the ACC? One stick out more than the others to you? You know, Vatek, uh they have a really good chance now of going 9-3. And, and remember in September we are talking about, boy, is Fuente, is he going to get fired? They have turned it around. They had the shot against Notre Dame. Maybe it's a little bit slower than everybody wants. It's a solid program, and, and they're building themselves back up to respectability. Maybe a team that can build a little bit higher and be good, but that was an impressive performance, I thought, out of Vatek. How about you, Bam? Anything? Clemson looked good. I mean, I, get, I see it was, it was NC State. Yeah. I get that, but uh, look, they're going to just keep scoring, I think. Yeah, they are. And they're gonna, <laughs> I don't think the uh, NC State coach was too happy that Dabo uh, was scoring. <laughs> right. He didn't take a knee there at the end. I mean, but listen, that's what you get in the playoffs. So that's when they... When you come out ranked fifth, um, you know you have to you have to have style points, and I that's what I don't like about it because you know you should have just taken a knee there and run that game out, but you didn't. To me, I got to tell you, uh, you know, outside of Clemson, Florida State going on the road yeah. after all they've been yep. through, and they go and they beat a, a decent Boston College team, not great, obviously. There's no great team in the ACC except the one in Clemson, but you give those kids a lot of credit. Um, Odell Haggins has already said, I don't want the job. He's not going to be a candidate for it. He'll probably, he's the assistant defensive line coach who got promoted to head coach. Tells you where that program is right now. All kinds of rumors floating around out there about who's going to take that job. Um, but I just thought Florida State, after all they've been through, all they've had to listen to, all the apathy, everything else, firing Willie Taggart, um, going on the road and winning that game, I thought was, was, was good for that program and a, a bit of good news when they haven't had any for quite some time. Uh, you mentioned Iowa State, Oklahoma, so let's do the rest of the Big Twelve triple overtime. Baylor, I mean they they won again. They uh, yeah. you know they did what they had to do. Now they get game day in Oklahoma coming up this week. Uh, that Texas had a nice win. Your thoughts on the Big Twelve, Bama? Yeah, I mean you know I think Texas K State was my sneaky game of the week, and it turned out to be a all the game. I, yep. K-State had them, I thought. And, listen, you give Texas credit. They basically saved their season. Like I said, you know, Oklahoma beats Baylor. Texas beats Baylor. Now, all of a sudden, Texas and Baylor are tied with two losses. That's going to throw Texas into the probably a rematch with Oklahoma, assuming they don't lose again. I mean, it, it they, they saved their season. Um, Baylor keeps finding a way to win. Oklahoma, I think this is, you know, it's going to sound maybe – Pithy or whatever, I think Jalen Hurts is kind of, you know, water seeks his level and all those stats and everything else he was putting up. And he, again, put up big numbers, but you saw in big situations there, you just can't throw that ball at the end of the game for that interception. And it almost cost them everything. Um, but they keep winning. They keep finding a way. I mean, there's clearly, to me, three teams in, in that, in that conference, Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor. They were to me the most surprising one. They find different ways to win every week, you know, ugly. And and again, I give them credit because of the it, they're playing defense, guys. And that's one of the things that the Big Twelve has just been slammed about. I think that's personally cost them 
you know, a couple playoff spots. TCU maybe a couple years ago, um, you know, because, oh, well, look who they've beaten, and, you know, they don't play defense in that conference. They're playing defense, and they're getting it done in different ways. So I give Matt Rule a lot of credit, and they've got, I don't know, the biggest game in how long yeah. uh, coming up this week against Oklahoma and game day, I think, going to Waco they are. for the first time. Yep, and then yep. Uh, they get Texas the next week. Trent, your Big 12 takeaway? Of course, it's at the top, the ones that we've already talked about, Oklahoma surviving Iowa State and uh, what Bama was talking about there. I did watch a lot. Of, that was the uh, second TV had Texas Tech, West Virginia in the early window with the big TV, of course, Penn State, Minnesota. Really impressive performance yeah. out of Texas Tech, and right. I thought West Virginia would get them. Yeah, Wells is doing a nice mm-hmm. job, and now it's got a chance. They got to get two more to get to bowl eligibility. Yep. That'd be a big step in year one, no doubt about it. Trent, we'll let you go first in the Big Ten. You can go wherever you want. There was some chatter that apparently it was uh, Maryland that uh, turned in Chase Young uh, to the NCAA, and uh, Ryan Day was. I mean, he was t- speaking of double taking timeouts. That's exactly what Ryan Day and Ohio State were doing. They scored to the bitter end and embarrassed. Them by 59. Your takeaways on the Big Ten. Trip. Well, of course, we talked a lot about the Gophers and the Iowa game earlier. So I want to uh, throw out again, Lovey getting it done. Yeah, Doubt, just getting clubbed in that game. Looked like they had no chance. Come back. Come roaring back. Missed the extra point then as they were yes. set to tie the game. Yes. And then, they would have made it, what, 31-31, yes. I think. Yeah. Michigan State comes right down, kicks the field goal, and they get it done in the end. Lovey, and this is for a program like Illinois. Okay, Florida State. I understand. Right. Yeah, that's a program where you want to get things going. Give teams, give coaches yeah. time to get things turned around, and good things can happen. A lot of people after last year would have fired Lovey Smith. They didn't, and now they're going to a bowl game. You know, um, had it not been for P.J. Fleck, is Lovey Smith, would he be the coach of the yeah, year? I think so. I think yeah. so, too. Uh, Bami, your takeaway on the Big Ten. Yeah, I was just going to kind of go there. Same thing. I mean, the obvious is Minnesota, and Minnesota is better, I think, than all. And we knew that, pardon me, we knew they were good, guys. I mean, but they've got those two receivers. Oh, my God. I mean, they are are legit, and they're going to give a lot of people problems. Now, to me. Bateman and Tyler Johnson. Yeah, I mean, to me, the question is going to be can. I don't think Tanner Morgan can play a better game. It was 18 out of 20, 339. 339 and three. Okay. I don't know what it was. You know, adrenaline, home game, atmosphere, whatever. But I mean, he can't, he cannot play as good of a game as that again. And can they win when he doesn't play? Not, you know, terrible, but you know, if he's, you know, 13 out of 20 for 250 yards and a touchdown, can they win against a really good team? I don't know, but. Listen, for one day, nobody cares, but I'm kind of with Trent. I mean, Lovey Smith, again, I mean, uh, listen, I watched the Titans-Chiefs yesterday, and that that game kind of reminded me of the of the Illinois-Michigan State. I did watch a, a good bit of that when I you know, flipped it back and forth. And, again, you're absolutely right, Trent. Give guys a chance at a place like Illinois. If you think you've got the right guy, give him a chance. If you don't think you have the right guy, like Chad Morris or Luke Taggart, <laughs> you pull the plug. I think Lovey will get it done. Uh, and what I don't know what get it done at Illinois really means. You know, bowl eligibility, you go to a bowl game three years out of four, maybe you knock off a big, you know, one of the big boys sooner or later, but really, really happy for them. And that that's two really good wins. I know Michigan State's down, but, you know, they've knocked Wisconsin out of the playoff picture this year. 
And, you know, another good win for them. So congrats to, uh, to Lovey and Illinois. All right, let's move on to the Pac-12, fellas. Uh, it was November the 9th, and uh, the Pac-12, the, the, at least the top of the, um, of the conference, had the weekend off, which is just ridiculous to me. I mean, uh, this won't take long, Trent. May, may, maybe. Well, this is your conference, so what's your takeaway? I, yeah, I was disappointed <laughs> that nobody was playing for crying out loud. I was Friday dis- night, wash. I and don't that's know. what I was disappointed in. Oregon State had been great offensively, yeah. and then they didn't score an offensive point. They had a pick six, and that was it in the game. There's my takeaway. Plus, I bet the Beavers, so a little frustrated <laughs> there. Uh, anything on the Pac-12, Bama? Yeah, I mean, just the fact that USC and UCLA are still alive in the South. Yeah, I mean, USC. Crazy. Oh my God, this fan base has just got to be going beside themselves mm-hmm. because every time they think, oh, well, this is the week we're going to lose, we're going to fire our coach, what do they do? They go to beat Arizona State. I mean, well, on the road, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, not 100% sure, but no, you're I right. won the game. Um, look, I mean, USC has Cal and UCLA, and UCLA still has to go to Utah, USC, and then they all have Cal. I mean, either one of them. Both these teams, USC and UCLA, control their own destiny in the South. It is crazy to think that, but they do. And all they need is just a little chaos in that. And I, I can tell you right now, there are a lot of people rooting for chaos down here where I'm sitting, rooting for chaos in the Pac-12. Um, because that's that's to me, that is the one team or the one conference that could come in. And if everything else breaks correctly for Alabama. The Pac-12 is the one that could and maybe even should, uh, you know, sneak in there and, and as a conference, as a 12-1 conference champion, either Utah or Oregon. Now, do I think Alabama's better than both those teams? I do. Uh, I think across the board. I think they're certainly better than Utah. I think they're a little better than, than Oregon, although I think Herbert could give, you know, drive them nuts a little bit the way he can throw the ball. Um, but that's the one team, guys, if you get an undefeated or one lost Pac-12 conference champion, I think that's the one that Alabama's got to worry about. But the fact, again, my takeaway, the fact that USC and UCLA are still in that hunt is just crazy. To me. It really is. All right, let's finish up uh, the Power Five. Uh, let's go to the SEC. Can I start on this one? Because yes, uh, it, it's Tennessee for me coming back. They were trailed Kentucky early. You know what? Pruitt's going to save his job, Bama, and he's going to get this team yep. to a bowl game. They're 5-5. Five and five. They've got two games left at Missouri. All right, maybe a little tricky there. But then home to Vanderbilt. Uh, with everything, including postseason play on the line, Pruitt and Tennessee, um, this team's got a little. No, look, at, they're, they're a long way from what they once were, but a pretty good story nonetheless. We we talked about Alabama, LSU. That's where I'll go in the SEC. Bama, how about you? Yeah, that's a good story up there. And you know, listen, six and six. It's not going to appease the fan base, but listen, if you go six and six, if you if you win, you know, four out of your last five to go six and six. Fans will go ahead with that. If you start five and one and then lose four out of five to go six and six, it's a different story. Even though you wind up with the same record, but yeah, you got to give him a lot of credit. Uh, to me, you know, another thing, and this is just you know looking at you know strength of schedule that sort of thing. You know, South Carolina losing to Appalachian State didn't do Alabama any favors either. Um, one of the one of the knocks on Alabama is strength of schedule. No they question. Softest yep. power five before Saturday, they had the softest mm-hmm. power five schedule. Uh, in the country, and you know, you could look to a maybe a couple of good wins. The A and M went on the road, and the South Carolina went on the road. And now South Carolina, South Carolina's schedule we talked about is just brutal anyway. And you can see them just kind of fading. But good, good for Appalachian State, first time a Sun Belt team I think has beaten SEC team uh, in a while. And um, but you know that 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 did not help. But other than that, you know, 
Vanderbilt are just waiting to pull the plug on Derek Mason, and you know Florida goes and drills them. And uh, it, listen, it's LSU Georgia. That's what we got to look forward to now, and that's you know that's what we're going to get, and that's going to be a great SEC championship game. Uh, Trent, your takeaway? Well, of course, the uh, Arkansas just getting killed and then firing mm-hmm. Chad Morris right afterwards. Bama, want to get your perspective of this? We know the difficult nature of the SEC West. Arkansas has had good teams. They made, what, three appearances, I think, in the SEC championship game over the last 25 mm-hmm. years. But that program, there's money in Northwest Arkansas. It's a beautiful place. But how can you win? How can you win at the level that maybe Hog fans expect? Well, you got to have a guy like Bob Petrino, um, yeah. who they did have. And, I mean, that's, that's, that's what you get. You got to get the right guy. And clearly, Morris wasn't the right guy. I don't know where that hire came from. He was still adamant. Uh, you know, I, I, I tweeted out a picture I saw basically it. of the team running out on the field. I mean, and we talk about it all the time, guys. What's worse than anger is apathy. That was senior day, okay? And you, there might have been – they listed the crowd at 42,000, which was an all-time record low for that stadium. There might have been 20,000 in the, in the actual stadium. It, it was really embarrassing. Um, they pulled a put – 0-14 in the SEC, losing by 26 at home – to Arkansas State, I mean, or I'm sorry, Western Kentucky. It, listen, it. I don't know if you, you can't come back from that. You, you can't, can't survive. And I don't. The answer to Trent's question, I don't know if you can come if you can win up there consistently. It's just going to be so hard because you're going to battle. As long as Nick Saban is at Alabama, they're going to be great. I keep seeing these things. Oh, is the dynasty over? And you know, listen, they lost one game, you know, to a really good LSU team. The dynasty is not over. Um, but now LSU's on the rise. But, you know, how how long can they sustain it? But the point is, you've got Auburn in there. They're going to be good every, you know, every now and again. It's just so tough to win consistently. But if you get the right guy like they had in Petrino, like, listen, Dan Mullen won at Mississippi mm-hmm. State. Okay? So yep. if you get the right guy, yeah, you can win. But it's just getting the right guy because it is so critical because you're right, you can't. There's not enough in-state talent to support it. There's just not. You got to go into Texas. You got to recruit around there, and you have to develop players. That's the other thing. I mean, you got to get some three stars and turn them into you know four and a half and five by the time they graduate. And, um, that was an awful hire, and who knows how long it set them back. But I mean, he's had what 35, 38 players transfer in two years. Mm. That tells you something too. You know, sometimes you do want to run them off. You know, some people, but not half your scholarship base. Uh, let's do this, guys. We've got two minutes left. Uh, uh, when we tune into ESPN tomorrow, the top four names are going to be Trent. We'll start with you. Top four, and then where is Alabama ranked? I think it's going to be LSU 1, Ohio State 2, yep. Clemson 3, yep. Minnesota 4. Whoa! Okay, Bama, how, uh, where is Alabama ranked, Trent? Fifth. 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 Okay, uh, Bama. I think it's going to be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, yep. Alabama, Oklahoma, Minnesota. I think Minnesota sneak. I think they jump from 17 to 7. I don't think they jump into the top four. Even though they beat a top four team, I just don't think they're going to jump 10 spots. The committee had them ranked 17. Right. And I just don't think that that even as good as that win was, and as legitimate as it was. Yes. Okay. Now, had had that win been at in Happy Valley, 
okay, maybe you bump them up another couple spots. But listen, seventeen to seven, even that would be just a historical. It'll be the biggest jump. Uh, I think, regardless, it's going to be the biggest jump wherever they go. It's a TV show. Remember, it is a TV it's show. A TV. It's a damn good yeah, one. That's I can't all wait it is. To tune it's it just in. a television show. It means nothing yep. until we get to the end of the year. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Uh, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Oregon. Georgia, Alabama, Ooh. six. Okay. So we Oregon shall off see. Oregon a bye jumps in. Oregon okay. off a bye. And, um, yeah, it was a bad week in the Pac-12. <laughs> Bama, you and I, Trent's going uh, to be gone on Wednesday, so you and I will opine on what we heard the night before on Wednesday morning in the first segment of the program. Have a good day, Bama. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Always enjoy it. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you, Trent. That was fun. Let's do this. Time to put another $1,000 in somebody's bowl bankroll. Simply text the keyword YOGA, YOGA, to 200-200 right now. Your chance to win 1000 You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. He joins the program next. Trent and I until noon. Mr. Monday Night's going to make an appearance. Mm. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460.com. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. I'm Miller Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Scott Dockerman momentarily. Bill has been patient. He's held through the break. Bill, what's on your mind? How are you? Well, a couple things. First of all, uh, as you said before, I'm thinking about Bob Dyer today. I love the man. Yeah, and me too. Daughter and driver's ed. Did you? Um, yes. Um, and a couple other things. Uh, Bama Bob uh, having Oklahoma ranked fifth is way off base. They, their defense is absolutely terrible. Right. And uh, secondly, Trent, if you're upset with Kirk, have him on. Get him on the station and talk about your feelings about how he thinks, how you think he should be doing different things. Well, we 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 we'd love to have him. Yeah, Billy. Just absolutely. He's, he's locked into the two o'clock time slot. We understand why he's there too. As two to four uh, moves the needle. Bill, we got to move on. Good to hear from you. Appreciate it. Uh, good to hear from you. Uh, Scott Dockerman is next. He joins the program. Doc Trenton, Ken, how are you, Scott Dockerman? You know, I'm better now that I uh, shoveled my driveway this morning, or I guess used it's, the snowblower. But uh, other than that, uh, I'm doing pretty good. It's Got too on. early to shovel. It's November the 11th. It's too early to be doing this. But it is what it is. Hey, uh, Trent and I were speculating. I'm sure they do, right? The TVs at, uh, uh, at Camp Randall, they had to be watching the end of Penn State, Minnesota. Were they not in the press box? Oh, yeah, everybody was in, uh, there. I mean, I think people were huddled around in the press box. So they had it on the big screen um, in the uh, north end zone. So, yeah, I mean, uh, everybody paid attention to that game, of course. Absolutely. Well, let's get to that game before we look ahead to the next one. Doc, I'll just go to the uh, the two. Uh, well, obviously, we'll do more than just this. But, you know, everybody's a lot of people are talking about the, the two-point uh, conversion, the try at the end of the game. To me, it's as simple, and the umpire is always going to be there. I get that. He was. It's not like he was in the wrong place. If Makai Sargent gets a chip, even a little piece of Chris Orr, I think Stanley scores easily, and we're talking about a 24-24 game now. They would have had to stop Taylor again. I get that. But I didn't mind the call, Doc, and uh, if it would have, should have, the umpire not been in the not been where he's supposed to be, uh, they probably convert there. Didn't you think? Yeah, I, I'm, I was on that side of the fence where I thought, hey, that's a pretty good play. I mean, 
Iowa's really struggled in two-point plays, you know, dating all the way back to when uh, LaShawn Daniels ran in for a two-point conversion at, at Minnesota in 2016. So I, I thought it was a great play call. I mean, you know, some people have said, well, if they had a more mobile co- quarterback, well, if they had a more mobile quarterback, he would have been dropped five yards behind because that was one of the more brutal collisions I've ever heard. But, yeah, the umpire started off about two yards in the end zone, takes like two to three steps forward, is it right around the one-yard line or so, when Makai Sargent went to hit, uh, actually it was Burrell, and uh, then he had to go around him, and by the time he did, Burrell and, and Orr just crushed you know Stanley right at the one-foot line. And, uh, yeah, if he would have got one pad on him, uh, Stanley would have scored the two-pointer. Um, and then then we're talking about, you know, three minutes left in the game. What does Wisconsin do? Now, if they, Wisconsin just runs the ball, maybe they do score a touchdown. But you never know what a coach does in that situation. Does he panic? Does he throw the ball? Iowa's pass defense was really good that day. I thought every time that uh, every time that Cone dropped back, I thought it was an advantage for the Hawkeyes, except for uh, on one drive in the third quarter. So I, I it, it would have could have been a different game, but it, but it wasn't, and, and the result was the result. Couldn't get stops in the fourth quarter. Couldn't slow down Jonathan Taylor. Earlier in the week, Ferentz called him one of the best running backs he's ever seen uh, since coaching in Iowa City. Your thoughts on the defense that have been so good throughout the season? Couldn't slow things down in the fourth quarter on the ground. You know, this is where the, the, you know, the remark of Kirk Ferentz a, a couple of months ago whether the offense needs to help out the defense rings true. And, and the offense just really not sustaining drives kept the defense out there too long against that uh, Zamboni of an offensive line. It's not one of their better ones, but but Jonathan Taylor is one of their better backs, and and I would actually put him ahead of Melvin Gordon for ones that I've seen, and mm-hmm. I, I think he's the best. And uh, that's he's been he was very very impressive the other day. Uh, better than Ron so Dane. Physical. Yeah, Ron Dane was was like Jerome Bettis. Mm-hmm, yep, just so big, yep. physical, and and there was the constant offensive line was right there. But this guy, you know, Ron had a nice NFL career. This guy's going to have a legit NFL career. He's a first-rounder. He's a guy that's going to go for a while. So, yeah, I really thought, you know, in the fourth quarter, they were kind of they were wiped out. And that leads also to the, the other question, which is the onside kick. Now, the mm-hmm. rules are, diff, are difficult to recover them in these, this day and age, but I didn't think Iowa had much of an opportunity to, to stop uh, uh, Taylor, you know, in that situation. I thought it would have been better to kick it, uh, you know, onside kick, pooch kick something to, to give your team a chance to get the ball back because I just didn't think it was going to happen. And it, it didn't happen, as we know. So how much, um, I mean, how big of a talker was that after the game, Doc? Is is Ferentz going to, yeah, not uh, not rude the day that he didn't decide to make that decision, but is that going to stick with him? Is this one of these January things where he's alone in his office that he's looking back at the year that'll bug him a little bit? How much thought do you think went into it? And were they close to you know making that determination before they kicked deep? I asked him. That was the first question of the press conference. I asked him that, and he just said, "Well, we just thought we'd kick it deep. We had two timeouts, and that's what we're going to do." You know, and he was just, you know, pretty matter of fact that way. You could kind of tell when he gets a little terse on questions like that. That you know, when you criticize strategy that didn't work. But mm-hmm. I do think that it does merit conversation because you know it's a strategy part of the game. If you don't do something, if you do something differently, maybe the result is different, and that's that's a, a strategic point of view rather than simply uh, trying to stop Jonathan Taylor not being able to do it because at that point in the game, even a good defense like Iowa was going to struggle trying to slow him down. Doc, your article at The Athletic today, speaking of Iowa's offense and they need to 
overhaul it to deal with the inconsistencies. College football's evolved during the 20 years. And you know something I mentioned to Ken a little bit earlier in the program today, Kirk has been, I think, more willing to adapt than many people think or realize, but this is his baby, the zone-blocking scheme. This is how he believes football games are won. Any chance at all you could see them not completely going away from it, but overhauling and doing things a different way on that side of the football? Not entirely. I don't. I, I think it's, it is his baby. It's what he's known. It's what he's done, and, and, and he's done it well, no doubt about it. I mean, in the past, I mean, he, he performed that in the 80s. And it worked well, and it worked well in the, in the early 2000s, all the way up until about the last 10 years. But as this game of football has changed in this sport, and, uh, you know, there's more zone scheme, there's more RPO, uh, more mobile quarterbacks. Uh, you have to be more and more perfect in the pro style. And when you're on third, you know, when you're at third and three, and you have um, a quarterback like Brock Purdy, or you have a quarterback like uh, Tanner Morgan from Minnesota, or or just about any other one that person becomes a threat with the ball in their hands to, to extend drives. Well, Nate Stanley, who I think is much better than most people give him credit for, is not that kind of a weapon. And then, So then your next bet is how do you extend drives with tight ends? Well, they were able to do that the last couple of years. They can't do that this mm-hmm. year. So that puts an incredible amount of pressure on your wide receivers. But you know, even more so, it's the running game right now. that's just It's, it's broken. It, it really is broken. When you're talking about Less than four yards to carry, three straight years, and you're talking about, you know, and they have good running backs, then, you know, what is it about the zone scheme that's not working? Well, every single player has to generate some sort of a block in order to generate a cutback. Well, there are faster defenses that beat you to the spot, and then also if you if you can't get every single block, um, then a lot of times you're getting two to three yards, and it's just it's very difficult as opposed to a gap scheme where, you know, it's hat on a hat, and your power can kind of maneuver in a better fashion. So I think it's time for a wholesale reevaluation, um, not calling for a coaching change or anything like that. But I'm just saying that at, at this point, this scheme is just not – it, you know, you're, you're kind of blowing a championship-level defense right now. Mm-hmm. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic is our guest. Doc, uh, on the on the defensive side of the football, I thought a couple of guys, I thought Hankins was good. Oja Moody got beat a couple of times, but he was, you know, his usual solid self. Maybe one of Matt Hankins' better games so far this, uh, this year. I know he had a good one. Oh, a couple of starts ago. Um, Purdue, maybe. Uh, but But Hankins, I thought, was good. Yeah, I thought they they played okay. I thought they were they were fine, and and really, you know, other than a, a couple of big plays, and and they've got good receivers. You know, yeah. I thought overall the defense played well. Uh, you know, if it could have been on the field less, it would have played much better. And part of it's their own doing. Um, Iowa, I thought was it was interesting to see what kind of schematic differences they were going to do. I figured they would go with more of a five man front. Instead, they went with a four four three, which is really old school and. It just never seemed to work. I mean, you know, Taylor is just too physical. And and so, uh, but overall, I thought that the secondary played well. And, uh, you know, hey, you, you still held them to 24 points. That's a season high. It does show you that this, this defense is still pretty legit. Another uh, chance at a division title out the window before we even get to the final stretch of games here. 2015, you look back at the last decade. Is that the outlier? Is this just a program that... Is seven and five, eight and four, good enough to be a bull team, and that's it. When's the high water mark going to come again? 
Well, uh, that's a great question. I mean, I thought last year had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I thought this year had that opportunity. I even thought 2016 did before the injuries took place at wide receiver. So I, I think they're in that conversation, and it's not that they're not that far off. Let's put it that way. I mean, they've lost three games to three ranked teams by a total of 14 points. So it's kind of the you know I know right now it's it's kind of A or F, and I don't quite get that yet. I'm not there yet because I'm trying to analyze it analytically, but I think it's. Uh, but I, but they are a little bit far away, and and I think it is it does come down to examining the scheme as to how do you get there, and and is it a, is fifteen outlier? Well, I don't think it was the most talented team Iowa's had. I thought last year it was, uh, but they were very gritty. They won the games that they needed to win. I mean, this year you're playing more difficult teams. That's what's cost you. So I, I just uh, I, I guess uh, you know what what Iowa is is over the last ten years they you don't. Know, Eight of the seasons they've won between seven and nine games overall, and I think that's what you got to realize is that's been the program norm all going all the way back to Hayden. So you got to accept that, but I think you, you also want to strive for a little bit more when you have those opportunities. I thought last year, now in hindsight, looks like a heck of a blown opportunity for Iowa. Uh, Doc, they've got an opportunity to play spoiler to the Gophers. I hate to say that that's what the season's come down to for Iowa, but uh, uh, look, an unbeaten Minnesota team that's going to find themselves uh, on the cusp of a playoff spot, I would think probably you know, there'll be seven or eight tomorrow night when the announcement is made somewhere in there. Bateman, Tyler Johnson are terrific. They've got three running backs. I've never seen Tanner Morgan play as well as he did against a good Penn State defense. Uh, how do you see this Minnesota game, uh, this Minnesota team who, you know, do they let down after that big win at home against Penn State? But I mean, I guess that's on the table. How do you see the game? You know, I don't think they do. Um, I, I think this is really an important game for Minnesota for a lot of reasons. Uh, they know what's at stake for them for this season. And, yeah, they had a big win there at, at home against Penn State. But they also want the pick. And they haven't held the pig and the axe in their same possession since 1993. So that is really critical to this team and, and to uh, in this program. It's something that they really strive for. And and uh, they know what kind of effort they're going to get. They haven't won in Iowa City in 20 years. So this is this game matters to them. It matters in so many different areas. So, no, uh, I think this is not their letdown game. I think next week is their letdown game, and, but they play Northwestern. So I don't know that it will matter that much. So uh, they have it, uh, their offense has really come a long way. I mean, they have their skill position players are elite. I mean, I would say outside of Alabama – they have probably the best receiving core in the country, yeah. and they have three legitimate running backs. So, uh, and Tanner Morgan is their version of Brock Purdy. So, I really like that team a lot. Um, you know, that said, you're going to see a spirited effort from Iowa. This is not going to be, you know, they're not going to go ho hum. I mean, uh, you know, Iowa since 2008 four and five at home against top ten competition. I think uh, this could be a, another game where, uh, you know, it's it. it, it, it Iowa could tip the balance. There's no doubt about it. Doc, we'll get you out on this just a minute to go here. Little hoops tonight. You're making your way over to Carver and see an old friend, Charlie Moore, who once said no to the Hawkeyes, what, four years ago? Yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it. I have a I have a Monday night television show, so okay. I, unfortunately I won't be able to make it. The time just doesn't add up. But uh, but I like having these games early. I mean, against DePaul. Uh, yep. This is good for the, uh, the, the country, I think. But, but that said, I... I'm having a hard time getting into hoops mode, you know, here and you know on Veterans Day. It's just it's too early. I mean, they need to really push this this 
season back a couple of weeks, but they never will. Uh, but, you know, hey, if, if Iowa can uh, – I'm really anxious to see how Jordan Bohannon plays against the DePaul team and against Charlie Moore. Um, I think that that's going to be a real pivotal to this season. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Doc, thank you. We will uh, recap the Minnesota game and look ahead to bowl-eligible Illinois, who will pay uh, – they will shut down the regular season at Kinnick Stadium, 11 o'clock on the uh, 23rd. Thank you, Doc. Have a great week. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much. Good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. We have another break. Trent, to get in, let's do that. We'll come back. Mr. Monday Night standing by. It's Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 14 14- Get hope. HopeLawFirm.com. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you here until... Well, we've only got a couple of minutes left, Mr. Monday Night, coming up. By the way, the Chiefs just showed uh, McCole Hardman's touchdown. Has this dude got some afterburners or what? They got speed on that team. Their defense stinks. Uh, We'll see them a week from today. Chargers hosting the Chiefs MNF next week. Aha! Well, Mr. Monday Night, he's got a hot pick for you this week. Well, you better have the Seahawks because the Niners are going down in flames. Oh, they're losing this one outright? Yes, you, you don't need the points. What's the money line? Ooh, probably plus 185, something like that. Thought right? that might be a little high, but if it's in the ballpark, though. Not too shabby, right? All right, Mr. Monday Night, well, do ready. your thing. I'm ready. I finally lost one last week after three consecutive victories. We sit at an even Steven 500 on the year. We're getting on the plus side of the ledger tonight. And yes, we will be taking the Seahawks. Some of the numbers by the Seahawks in primetime games. Russell Wilson... 23-5 and five in primetime games as a starting quarterback against the number. Them just straight up has been incredibly good. I might be jumping on board with you here. That money line does seem awful juicy, doesn't it? I think they win the game, Trent. There's no George Kittle. Um, he is, is he officially been... I think yesterday they did, yeah, or maybe a Saturday even. He was doubtful, right? But I, man, I'm sure he's not going to play in the full. I was surprised. Well, he didn't finish the game last week, um, but he's such a difference maker. I found the numbers here: Russell Wilson, twenty three five and one straight up in regular season primetime games. It's crazy. That's nuts. That's crazy. Against the spread, twenty four seven and three. Seahawks all day long. Got to grab the points here. Got to nah, grab the points. Do the money line, kid. I'll do them both. Why wouldn't you? Oh, uh, Drake plays tonight. <laughs> right, Drake Cincinnati tonight at six. Yeah, you'll be able to see it if you have Directv. Fox Sports Ohio will have that six o'clock, six sixty on your Directv dial, and then at seven o'clock, I would Paul busy night here. And an old Missouri Valley Conference matchup, Drake and Cincinnati, right. from way back in the day. Well, we'll recap those tomorrow. I believe Cappy's going to join earlier in the week. So if you're a Cappy fan, I believe we've got Cappy tomorrow in the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, so we look forward to doing that. We'll switch Cappy and Zubin spots this week. Murph and Andy coming away at 2, the Fanatics at 4, Iowa State Coaches Show tonight at 6. 30 and then tomorrow morning tuesday we'll start a whole other day of local sports top and the morning rush is on your radio at six we're miller and condon 10 to 2 on des moines 10 to noon on des moines sports station 1460